This is Ron Gregg with The Gift of Christmas on WVBI. Chapter 2. The Ugly Tree Ugly trees need loving too. Or so was my dad, Phil Gregg's philosophy, when it came to choosing a Christmas tree. One of the many wonderful things about growing up on Beaver Island was the fact that getting a Christmas tree was a process just like you saw on the paintings on Christmas cards and uh, the Bing Crosby Christmas specials, minus the horse and sleigh, of course. In the late 1960s, Beaver Island's southern half uh, was mostly forested, state-owned land, or so it seemed at the time. There was little development on the south end of the island, and only a handful of year-round residents south of the end of King's Highway. Although there were large forests of hardwoods, there were also several areas where conifers thrived. Finding the perfect tree in the wild is like mining for diamonds. You may find several in the course of a day, but only rarely will you find one that is the right size, shape, and quality. You know they are out there, but they are truly rare. The quality of tree one harvests in the wild is directly proportional to the motivation of the seeker to have a perfect tree. My dad was always motivated when we began the hunt for the perfect tree. However, his motivation tank had a pretty fast leak in it. My sisters and I figured out this pretty early on. We knew that if we didn't find a good tree in the first 30 minutes or so, we were likely to have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree at our house. A typical outing would begin with us piling into Dad's truck and heading out to some patch of public land on the southern half of the island. We would be staring out the windows looking for a likely place to stop and hoping we hadn't passed the best trees. Of course, we would end up steaming up the windows and Dad would park us in that part of the forest that possessed only the most sickly looking of trees. If you're familiar with the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer animated special, you'll recall the island of misfit toys. Well... Where we stopped was usually the Christmas tree equivalent of that island. I wouldn't be surprised if that part of the island woods was the chief supplier of Christmas trees to the island of misfit toys. Anyway, my sisters and I would jump out and make a mad dash toward any trees that were at least green. If we were lucky, we could find one that had several healthy branches and possessed the typical tapered shape of a Christmas tree. We would point it out to Dad, and he would inspect it for suitability. He would look at it from all angles and say, It's nice, but uh, it's not a spruce. Well, whether spruce or fir, we didn't know. We were just looking for a nice-looking tree. Dad's brother and father were both experts in forestry, and Dad knew his trees. Well, let's say Dad knew his trees, but Dad didn't know Christmas trees. This process of search, find, inspect, and reject would continue for a while. In our panicked search, we would usually run out of time before we ran out of energy. Finally, the process would begin to wear on Dad, and he would say, What about this one? We would turn and look at his choice. Not wanting to be rude, our responses would be something like, Well, I guess it looks okay, or It's kind of thin, isn't it? At this point, Dad would back up and squint at it. Sometimes he would step around to the other side and do the same. Then he would say something like, 
Your mother's planning on putting it in the corner this year, so it really doesn't need branches on those other three sides. Or, it's perfect to go against the wall because it's so flat on this side. My sisters and I would sigh, yep, Dad had found the perfect tree. Uh, he would trudge through the snow back to the truck and return with his chainsaw. He would quickly cut the tree down and trim the bottom so it would fit into the stand when we got home. Then we would drag it to the truck. We hoped that it would fit inside the truck because we didn't want to drive through town with the pitiful-looking thing displayed atop the family vehicle. Once at the house, we would untie it and we would drag it around to the front of the house. Mom would be waiting for us in a steaming kitchen. We would thaw out with a warm beverage and notice that the decorations were all out and a spot had been cleared in the living room corner. We hoped she wouldn't be upset when she saw the tree. <laughs> After a cup of coffee, Dad would attach the, uh, <clears throat> the stand to the tree and bring it inside. Somehow, it looked even more pitiful, mounted and standing in the room. This is when Dad would begin to recognize the flaws that we had observed in the woods. Jeez. It's a little thinner on top than I thought. Or, I think if we turn it this way, it'll look thicker. Dad would manipulate the tree for a few minutes, then get to the task of installing the lights. The fresh piney smell would begin to fill the house. This always added a little Christmas spirit to the occasion. When Dad announced that the lights were on, we would begin to see that the tree didn't look quite so bad. Mom had boxes and boxes of ornaments, and every year we would try to get every single one of them on the tree. We always doubted whether or not they would all fit, or whether the tree would collapse under them. That never happened, although some years had required Dad to secure them with fishing line. Well, by the time we got all the decorations on, the tree was almost beginning to look like a real Christmas tree. The last thing we added were the icicles. Mom was a big believer in lots and lots of icicles, or tinsel as some call it. The tree would get draped in these to reflect the lights and other ornaments. When we were done, we would all step back and look at it. Dad would beam and say, see, it's perfect. And it was. The Gift of Christmas was written by me, Ron Gregg, for my parents, Phil and Lil Gregg, in 2003, and is presented here on WVBI with the wish that your Christmas this year is a Christmas to remember.